Welcome to Capital Link's corporate presentation webinar series. In this series, senior management of listed companies provide an update on their operations, business development, strategy, and sector outlook. I'm Nicolas Bornois, of president, uh, president of Capital Link, and Capital Link is an investor relations firm also active in event and conference organization. We work with several private and publicly listed companies, including companies featured in this webinar series. As noted in our disclaimer, these presentations are purely for informational and educational purposes. They do not constitute investment advice or advice of any kind, and Capital Link has, bears no responsibility for them. Today, we have with us the senior management of Euroseas. The whole session will be 45 minutes. We will start with a brief slide presentation followed by a live Q&A session. Please submit your questions through the Q&A button at the bottom of your screen. And please include your name and company affiliation. Alternatively, you can email the questions to us at webinars at capitallink.com. And let me uh, note that we have with us Mr. Aristides Peters, the chairman and CEO of Euroseeds, and Dr. Anastasios Aslidis, the CFO. And now I will turn the floor over to Mr. Peters, to uh, Mr. Peters, and then uh, to Tassos. Hello, good morning, ladies and uh, gentlemen, and uh, thank you, Nicolas, uh, for hosting us uh, today. Uh, it's uh, my pleasure to be uh, speaking to you today about uh, Eurosis. Uh, we will start off with uh, a small uh, presentation, which will be given to you by our CFO, Tassos Aslidis, and uh, we will then be taking on some questions. So please send us whatever questions you have. We will try to answer to you as best as we can. Tasso, the floor is yours uh, for the presentation. Thank you. Thank you very much, Aristides. Nicolas and Capital Link, thank you for inviting us and organizing this webinar. It will allow me to share my screen, so it would be easy to look at the slides that we have prepared. Before, before we start, let me show for a few seconds these forward-looking statements. As you can understand, we'll be making forward-looking statements in this presentation. And that is uh, meant to be only as, uh, uh, in the con not as an adv investment advice, as Nicolas described in the beginning, but only as information about the company. I will go very quickly and give a, a very brief introduction of the history of the company. Uh, for those who don't know, Eurosis is a provider of worldwide ocean-going transportation services through the ownership and operation of container ships. We were established in 2005 by by the Peters family, which owned as a family and operated vessels all the way back to 1870, 170, 150 years of history. The current generation, the fourth generation in shipping. Our current fleet, and I will talk a bit of more about our fleet a little later on, consists of 16 vessels on the water and two vessels that we have contracted to build, which are to be delivered by the middle of next year. We focus on what is called feeder segment of the market. That is ships that take containers from major hubs and distribute them to the final points, or inversely, they bring containers from the point of origin to the hub 
to get them loaded to larger container vessels for a typically cross-ocean trip. We have been in the capital markets for more than 15 years, actually having been listed on NASDAQ in 2007. Over the last 15 years, we raised in excess of 300 million in a series of offerings, rights issues, and private placements. We were actually the first company to establish a joint venture with the private equity firms bank in 2010, as part of which we raised $175 million to invest in container vessels. The management of our operations is done through Eurobulk, an affiliated company, which in turn was founded in 1995. Eurobulk has achieved a very well-respected position in the shipping markets and enjoys strong relationships with charterers, suppliers, bankers, and all other players in the maritime field. I'd like to spend a couple of a minutes um, reviewing the, the latest vessel acquisitions, the latest additions to our fleet. We have been quiet in 2021 in the sales and purchase front, in addition to the chartering from, as we will discuss also shortly, we have bought two ships and entered into a contract to build two new ships. Most recently, we bought a vessel Marcos V, our largest vessel to date, a 6,350 TU container ship built in 2005. The vessel immediately entered into three-year charter at $42,000 per day. This is the profile of the typical transaction we are willing to do in, in, a market, in market periods like the ones we are living, when both rates and prices are high. We would like to see that by the end of the charter, we would have depreciated the cost basis of the vessel all the way down to its scrap value to reduce our risk or actually eliminate our risk. Then we expect to realize returns if the market at the end of the charter is good or actually anything but bad and in certain and we expect to make significant returns a similar transaction to marcos v is the other vessel that we bought the jonathan p a 1740 tu container vessel built in 2006. this vessel too entered into a three-year time charter with the same idea of bringing the cost base down to below the scrap price by the end of the charter. As I mentioned already a couple of times earlier in the year, we contracted two new buildings to build two vessels, two fuel efficient vessels, Eco Design, 2800 TEU container ships in, in South Korea. We expect to take delivery of these vessels in the first half of 2023. And we consider ourselves lucky of having entered into the new building market early enough to take relatively early delivery of the vessels. You can see a listing of our fleet in this slide. We, we categorize our fleet in two broad groups, the slightly larger vessels the, of intermediate size, six of them, and the 10 feeder container ships, and two of the new buildings also of feeder size. Our carrying, the carrying capacity of our fleet after the delivery of the new buildings is about 56,000 20 foot equivalent units. And the other age of our fleet depends on the segment, but overall, I think it's a little more than 10 years. 
The management of our fleet, as I mentioned earlier, is done through Eurobalt and will leverage Eurobalt's experience and establish relationships. Eurobalt has an established strong presence in the shipping and 27 years of experience. There is a standard industry agreement between Eurobalt and certain ship-owning sub subsidiaries of Eurosys at st market standard terms. And through those agreements, Eurobalt provides us with operational technical services, repair and maintenance, crewing and provisioning, executive services, insurance services, and commercial management. We believe that overall operating expenses and general and administrative expenses are amongst the lowest of the US publicly listed companies. Let me turn very quickly on the chartering profile of our fleet. And this slide shows the 16 vessels that are currently on the water and the current chartering arrangements of the ships. And we saw the next three years. And as you can see in this slide, 86% of the available days for charter in 2022 are already covered, an average rate of about $30,000 a day. Those contracted charters provide us an EBITDA contribution of a little more than $100 million. In, for 2023, 57% of our available days are secured at an average rate of about $31,500 per day, making a contribution of 82 million. And even for 2024, tw about 2,600 days of those available are already covered, about 40% of overall days, at an average rate of about $35,500 per day. Having given a snapshot of the fleet and its employment, right? Let's, let's go and talk a little bit about the containers market. As you can see from these two charts in this slide, on the left, containership time charter rates, and on the right, containership second hand prices. Last year was a seminal year in the industry. Both in terms of rates and prices, we have achieved new record highs. On the rate front, we had new highs that were twice as much the previously recorded highs of 15 years ago. On the second hand front, prices also registered new high levels, not quite as much higher than the previous than the previously observed. So we're enjoying a very constructive, to put it mildly, market environment. The question that this market environment brings in front of us is whether it will continue. Obviously, the strength of this market is a confluence of a number of factors. One important being the strength of demand for containerized trade. Containerized trade in 2021 bounced back for the pandemic lows. You can see in the middle of this slide that during 2020, containerized trade declined actually by 1.2% in terms of TEU miles, while in, in 2021 rebounded at 6.7%. The assessment of the analysts going forward for 2022 and 2023 is the 
trade growth will continue, not of course as strong as what we observed in 2021, but at a very respectable 3.6 and 3.5% over the next two years. Again, the, the trade growth is very much linked to the world economic growth and the strength of the economies around the globe. You can see that correlation at the bottom of this, uh, of this slide. But trade growth is only half of the equation. The other half is supply. One thing that was important in the containers of markets is that over the last 10 years, the additions to the, to the fleet, what we call the order book as a percent of the fleet, that ratio has been declining consistently. It reached an all-time low, I would say, in the beginning of 2021 of just below 10%. As the, that meant that there were very few additions of the, on the supply side during 2021, and the rebound of the demand, plus certain inefficiencies that were introduced from the pandemic and the various protocols that ports and other transportation systems were required to observe, created the supply squeeze, which helped send the rates to the very high levels. We have seen the order book to fleet ratio increasing over last year, going to about 23% as of now, double the levels that we've seen 12 months ago. Still, 23% is at the bottom of the range of where that ratio fluctuated over the, the last 20 years. I wouldn't say at the bottom, at the, the lower part of the range. Nevertheless, the order book takes quite some time to be delivered and orders placed in 2021 will not be delivered before 2023. 2023. Thus, as you can see on the, slide, on, the, on the slide above, on the graph above, the top right of the slide, the expected deliveries in 2022 are about 3.2%. And if you remember from the previous slide, demand was estimated, was expected to increase at a higher rate. So even in the absence of trade disturbances, we would expect a stronger market to, to, to remain during this present year. We can summarize this quick snapshot of the market and uh, what we expected to happen. Exactly as I said in the previous slide, that in 2022, a fair market more, very likely will continue because supply is not growing as much and demand is continuing strong. And poor congestion has continued to significantly impact containers of markets. As we have observed like last year, leading to excessive wait times and disrupting Operator and operator schedules. The, the, the time of the removal of these logistical bo bottlenecks is quite uncertain, but it sounds like that during the, it will not be before the end of the first half of, of the current year. In the longer term, fundamentals are harder to predict, and this always depends on, on the interplay of several factors. One of them is demand, whether supply 
uh, will be materially increased from 2023 onwards and whether it would overtake demand growth. And really the big unknown and the big uh, known unknown in a sense is the effect of the environmental regulations on, on the fleet. Environmental regulations around decarbonization that kick in in 2023 and 2024 that could result in further slow steaming, essentially removing capacity from the market. One final point about the fleet is that for the feeder and intermediate container segments, the segments that we operate, there, there, is, um, there are two incremental factors that uh, can be observed. One is that there is still cascading, meaning that larger ships are poaching demand from the smaller segments. But at the same time, the demand for feeder services is expected to grow at a higher rate than the overall demand because it's primarily anchored in Asia and containerized trade in Asia is increasing at a higher pace than the overall containerized trade. Let's go back to Eurosys and uh, give you some indications about our financial potential. And we have used this slide a couple of times uh, in our earnings presentation. And this is uh, an indicative EBITDA calculator. We use it to help our investors and shareholders assess what they could expect uh, from, uh, uh, from our financial performance, making their own assumptions. This slide shows how much of our available days on the top part of the table are contracted. As I mentioned earlier, you can see that in 2022, 86% of our uh, available days are contracted. In, in 2023, 57, and in 2024, about 40%. And then we can show the, in the orange uh, line, the, contrib the EBITDA contribution of those um, of those contracts. On that contribution, we need to add the contribution of the yet to be chartered days, the open days as we call them, which, in, uh, <clears throat> uh, which we can estimate on the basis of some assumption about the rates. If we use, for the sake of simplicity, the same rate for the open days as the one for the contracted days, you can see that the overall, for example, EBITDA, EBITDA expectation for 2022 would have been 120 million. For 2023, 143, and so on so forth. If we want to make a little bit of sensitivity analysis on these numbers, you can see that for 2022, there is very little sensitivity uh, because very few of the, of the days are open while for 2023 and 2024, we have about 2.7 million per thousand dollars rate change in, in the case of 2023. And if being conservative, we assume that the average rate that this open days will enjoy is 20,000 per day, our EBITDA for that year would be approximately 112 million. This is to provide some assistance in getting into perspective the financial performance that we expect. Another important point that I would like to make uh, as we approach the time for Q&A is that 
given the strength of the market and, and the increase in the vessel values were an under lever company. We have a debt level of 120 million against the current value of the fleet charter free of 663 million, charter adjusted 458 million, which indicates loan to loan to value ratios of 18 and 26% respectively. Our loans are even below the scrap value of our fleet, which amounts to about 137 million. So the loan to value ratio with respect to the scrap value is 87%. That's my final slide or my second final slide. And that shows, I want to show you the cash accumulation potential that our company has. The dark blue part of the chart is the cash accumulation that we expect to have on the basis of the contracted revenues after having paid all expenses, even of the open ships, after having repaid, made loan repayments and paid interest and everything. So at the end of 2024, we expect to have 124 million in cash, even if no of the, none of the open days is chartered. If we assume that the open days are chartered at uh, uh, either the average rate that uh, the contracted days of the corresponding year, or in scenario one, a little bit more conservatively, 20,000 level for 2023 and 15,000 for 2024, you can see that we expect to see um, by 2024, in the case of scenario one, almost 260 million of cash accumulation. And of course, in case of uh, scenario two uh, of uh, 378 million. That would correspond respectively uh, in, uh, $35 per share and $51 per share by the end of 2024 of cash only. What is next then? We have accumulated significant cash flow and the question that, we, that, that there is in front of us is how to use it. We believe that the primary use of this cash is to proceed with selective investments and we want to grow and modernize the company. Secondarily, this excess cash can be used to reward our shareholders, either by paying the dividends or pursuing share buybacks, especially if our surprise remains undervalued as it is currently now. Growth can also be funded by providing a public platform for consolidating other fleets. We did that, I believe, quite successfully in 2019, where we consolidated about seven vessels in our fleet. And of course, risk management is top in our minds, and we're trying to address that via the long-term charter coverage and a conservative and flexible financing arrangement that we have. That concludes my remarks. And I hope we have some time left to continue to a Q&A session. Thank you, Tasso, uh, for, for the presentation.
Um, let's see uh, if we have some questions. Uh, I see here on the Q&A quite a few questions. Let me try and start uh, answering them. And uh, you can help me, Tasso, perhaps uh, in uh, showing the slides that sure. correspond to the questions. So first question uh, says in one, in one of your last slides, you showed us how much cash the company had. Yes. Uh, and as you mentioned, this is only the cash. It doesn't include the value of the flight, right? Can you elaborate a bit further on it? Sure, I think th this is a very important slide uh, uh, from our presentation. Uh, it does indeed show how much cash we will be generating. Most of our vessels, as Tasso said, are fixed uh, for three years uh, to four, some of them for four years. And therefore, the dark blue uh, part in this slide, in this slide uh, is secure cash flow, which uh, suffices to pay for all the company obligations and still uh, lives at the end of the of uh, 2024 124 million dollars of cash which corresponds to 17 dollars per share outstanding and then if we fix the ships that open up for recharter uh, you can see that uh, and if we fix them at the conservative uh, first scenario that we've assumed here of 20,000 for 2023 and 15,000 for 2024, we will end up with uh, the 124 that is secured plus 136 uh, for a total of 270 uh, and the total of, three, of $35 per share. So more than what we are currently earning under a pessimistic scenario, we will have it in cash of course, that's provided we don't invest, reinvest anything of that or uh, distribute any dividends or buy back shares, because that's also something that we might decide to do in view of the fact that we are trading at a discount. Um, and of course, if we are able to fix the ships at a higher valuation, uh, at a higher charter rates, because that is what is currently prevailing, uh, then uh, we will have a higher cash generation. So I think this uh, really shows how strong our balance sheet currently is and uh, the liquidity that we are creating. Let me go to the next question. Um, this is a more generic question about, uh, you made the reference to possible effects of decarbonization in shipping. Could such requirement prolong the strength of the market and be an additional game changer too? Yes, I mean, the current strength of the market obviously uh, has a lot to do with uh, the, the inefficiencies created by the coronavirus and the congestion issues that have been created. Uh, this is going to resolve itself sometime within this year and next. What happens after? 
And uh, that is uh, a big question mark, very difficult to predict what happens in shipping uh, going forward. Uh, one thing that we know is that uh, the cost of decarbonizing uh, shipping uh, and the cost of going greener is a huge cost uh, which will uh, eventually flow down to, unfortunately, uh, to the consumer. Uh, uh, it will be necessary for ships to, to uh, go slower. Uh, some ships, older ships, might need to get out uh, to be scrapped. We know that we might need to sell some of our older ships as well but this is under our uh, strategy that some of the older ships will be scrapped uh, at the end of the current charters. We expect that to happen, and that's why we will be gradually renewing our fleet. Uh, bottom line, I think, is that all this uh, greening process will result in a very tight market in shipping, ships will be needed, they will be slowing, they will be uh, uh, steaming around at slower speeds. Uh, this will be, uh, will result in limited technical supply of ships and high rates. I predict a high market for quite a few years. It's not only the effect of this congestion, uh, but this is a, a longer term uh, uh, expectation that this uh, good market would last for longer. Maybe not, of course, as good as it is, but really a, a solid market for quite a few years. Uh, next question. I've answered it already. Do you have plans to dispose, sell your older vessels, those built in the 90s? Yes, of course. Uh, when the charters expire of these ships that have been fixed for three years, we fixed the Corfu, which is a 2000 built vessel for three years at $40,000 a day. Our base case scenario is that at the end of this three year charter, in three years time, the vessel will be scrapped. That is the assumption. There is always the possibility that the market is very strong at the time. So it is not scrapped and it will be still be needed by the industry. That will be a bonus if it happens, but our base case scenario is that it will be scrapped. But we will see what happens. Technically, it will be capable of sailing, but uh, we, it might not be feasible. We will see. We don't count on it being uh, continuing to be traded, but we will have uh, renewed our fleet in the meantime. Next question. Uh, greetings from Dwarka Share Brokers India. From your presentation, is it right to observe that the 4250 TEU 2010 built vessel is approximately 60 million and spot rate $45,000 per day? Uh, I would say that the 4250 TEU 2010 built is uh, higher than 60 million. I think a vessel of this uh, size have, and age has been sold for over 70 million. Uh, so the price is even higher today. 
the market is stronger than it's ever been. Uh, it's, uh, it's extremely strong. The charter market is extremely strong at this time. So is the sale and purchase market. There is a huge need of vessels still. So it's not getting softer. In fact, it's still getting stronger. Uh, the spot rate, $45,000 per day, that could be the case for a five-year charter. Obviously, if you're talking smaller periods, it's going to be higher. Um, next question. Congrats on the recent fixtures of the Corfu and the Evridiki. Uh, should fixtures on the Astoria and Aegean Express be similar in terms? Yes, the Astoria is a similar vessel to the Corfu and Evridiki, and uh, you should indeed expect a similar fixture uh, to the Corfu and Evridiki. And as I said, the market is stronger than what it was just two weeks ago. I would expect a slightly better charter to this vessel that will be reported in the next uh, very short period. The Aegean Express is a smaller vessel, so it will be a slightly lower charter, but still a high charter. Uh, but it's a smaller vessel, so it will be a smaller uh, rate. That uh, opens up uh, in maybe two months' time, so we, we still have some time to fix that vessel. But it will be a very good number, of course. Um, next question. Uh, does Eurosys plan to invest in second-hand or new tonnage during this positive market? Are there any plans of further extension? Yes, there is plans of further expansion. We have fixed the last three months only. Uh, employment for $180 million of revenue on the last four vessels that we fixed. Uh, and so we've secured and the risk the company. Uh, we plan to invest uh, uh, more and we are looking at various projects at this time. So you will hear something from us uh, uh, soon on that. Um, next question, um, please update the delivery dates of the two new builds, uh, I in terms of months in first half 2023, any comment on when the new builds will be fixed and on what terms? The two new builds, the first one I think is on March 23 and the second one on June 23. Um, we will start looking into chartering these ships uh, within the next uh, three months. We, we have heard some noises about charterers asking us if we are ready to discuss them. Uh, we know that people are starting to talk vessels of this size that uh, are opening for chartering towards the end of uh, the current year. I think that within the next three months, we might be able to fix them at good rates. And good rates uh, should be around the same levels or even higher than the levels that we fixed the similar vessels 
but much older vessels that opened up right now, the Corfu and the Evreditti. So I think that uh, even though the deliveries are later, uh, we should be able to see levels in excess of $40,000 for periods uh, for more than three years. Uh, but it remains to be seen. We, we haven't had serious discussions on them yet. Um, next question. Markets rise and fall as the Far East then protracted famine. We are now in the rising market and the dining table is set with lots of profitable food. However, history shows this may abruptly change. Please comment on how much longer and the keys you focus on to signal downturn. And you're absolutely right. Things change and they can change uh, quite, quite fast. Um, if we were to see a, a very significant uh, market downturn, uh, global uh, demand market downturn, uh, this would uh, would affect uh, container shipping as well. Um, right now, I, I would think that uh, the odds are more uh, in favor of uh, an improvement in the markets, uh, because uh, I feel that coronavirus uh, is going to subside within 2022. Uh, and, and we will see glo global growth. However, if uh, it's not, and uh, we do see uh, global contraction, further global contraction, that may affect uh, global demand significantly uh, and might uh, create a downturn. We are extremely well protected against uh, such a downturn because, as you saw in our chartering strategy slide, we have fixed uh, nearly all our ships. There is, apart from the two ships that are opening now, and we will fix them within the next, uh, the first one within the next two weeks will have been fixed, and the second one within the next month. Then we only have two ships opening up in November this year. And then we've got uh, three ships opening up in 2023, the two new builds and one more. So we are extremely well protected. And uh, what we have fixed covers us all the way up to 2024, as we said. So we feel extremely covered and we feel positive that we will have a good market for the next few years. But of course, this is shipping and things can change. Uh, and uh, I, I can never promise you a rose garden forever. Uh, next question. They keep on coming in and in. Uh, and we've got just five minutes. If your primary use of current and future cash flow is selective investments to grow and modernize, could you be more specific? Is go, growing the fleet more important to you than returning cash to shareholders? Uh, we feel that, uh, that uh, we can use the cash to the benefit of shareholders uh, quite substantially. We would not 
invest uh, in something if we don't think that uh, it can be to the benefit of their shareholders. I wish to remind you that uh, our uh, family and myself are the major shareholders uh, within, within the company. So our priority is to maximize the return to, to the shareholders. That's why we are doing selective investments, investments where we think that the returns can be significant uh, for the shareholders. The projects that we've done, uh, the three projects that we did during the last three months were such projects. Two new builds uh, that were done at a very good price and which we feel that if we are able to fix at today's charter rates, we will be able to pay the whole investment down in less than five years time. So ships that have a 25 year life, we will be able to pay down in less than five years if we are able to fix them at today's price. You can see how good the project that is. And the other two ships that we bought, we bought them together with charters attached at levels that bring them down to the scrap value at the end of the three years charters that we've attached. So there is no downside risk except for the operating risk, which uh, we have proven over the years that we are quite good at uh, avoiding those risks. Uh, so we have no downside risk practically. And uh, at the end of the three years, we still believe there will be value in the vessels. Therefore, it's, uh, it's still a good investment uh, that uh, provides good returns to the shareholders. So if we can find such projects, we think it's better uh, than, uh, than paying out some dividend. If we run out uh, from such projects, then uh, we should uh, return cash to, to the shareholders. Next slide 17 questions. Actual cash was 31 million at year end 21. Approximately, because do this cash accumulation calculation include or exclude debt amortization? This includes uh, debt amortization. So th this is the current estimate for the cash at the end of the year. I repeat, this is a cash estimate. It is not the actual accounting numbers. So we will have to see when the actual accounts come back, the, the exact number. So it's an approximation, but it's, it's, it's close to that. And that's after amortization. Um, next slide. How are you tackling fuel efficiency? Are you installing ESGS? And what are the environmental credentials on your new buildings? Our new buildings are... Uh, are 30% uh, more efficient than our elder vessels. They are part of our ESG strategy uh, to become greener. Uh, and uh, that's why we are also looking at other new building possibilities currently. Uh, we are taking all the measures that are being taken by the most uh, prudent uh, ship managers, uh, which is uh, digitalizing our uh, fuel uh, monitoring procedures, uh, looking at uh, fuel efficiency, uh, at uh, 
painting solutions, uh, looking at uh, various ways of improving fuel efficiency technically. Uh, and uh, I, I think uh, we will be among the companies that uh, fare uh, be better uh, in, in this front. Uh, we, we are not the, the leader, but we are not the laggards. We, we are following uh, the, we are, I, I would say, following the leaders. We are not overspending, but we are not underspending on this front. Um, next one, thanks for a great presentation. Given the significant cash generation, but rather undervalued share price that you highlight, have you already been buying back sellers in the current cycle? If not, why not? Thanks. This, uh, the, uh, our share price up till uh, a few months ago, a couple of months ago, uh, was performing very well. Uh, but uh, indeed, we lost uh, track of uh, th there was the last couple of months this underperformance, which we've seen. We are going to discuss this issue in our next board meeting, and uh, we will see what strategy and what policy we will adapt. But uh, it's my personal intention to discuss and suggest. Uh, uh, the implementation of a possibly a share buyback program, because indeed we are uh, we are we are currently undervalued. We were trading at uh, high thirties, and now we are uh, at the low twenties. So, uh, and, and uh, prices have gone up, and earnings have gone up. So, uh, we have to to act on that. You are absolutely right, my friend. And uh, the last question that I have here is what are your plans, views on paying out dividends? I think I've answered that question previously. Uh, it's in our mind and we will be discussing this uh, in, in our next board uh, meeting and always it's always in our radar screen. So thank you very much. I see Nicolas Bornoz is coming in, which means our time is up. Uh, Nico, thank you again very much. Well, I'm the one who thank, uh, to thank you. Uh, and above all, I would like to thank uh, our participants for joining uh, our webinar. Uh, it has been a very interesting presentation and, of course, a very interesting Q&A. Uh, just to remind everybody that this will also be available as an archive um, if people would like to come back and um, listen to it and view it. So thank you, uh, Aristides, and thank you, Tassos, for being with us. Thank you, Nico. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Bye-bye. <laughs>